0: Welcome to the Purpose of Pain podcast with your host Michelle Clark, encouraging all listeners to discover the purpose of their pain. There is not a person on earth who hasn't experienced pain within their lifetime. I hope that you are inspired by my guests' real life stories and how they discovered their purpose through the pain that they experienced. As a person who has found her purpose through unbearable pain. My aim through this podcast is to show the listeners that they are not alone. We all go through seasons. But I do believe that every season has a meaning. So ask yourself, why did I go through that? I pray that all will be revealed to you. Our pain does not have to be in vain. Let's use it for a purpose that can serve others. So let's be vulnerable. Let's be authentic. And let's be transparent as we reveal the pain from which our purpose came. Welcome to the second episode of the Purpose of Pain podcast, and I'm your host, Michelle Clark. I'm joined this episode by the beautiful Marie Douse. Wow, what a woman. She's amazing. She's a serial entrepreneur. She helps so many different people, but I'll let her explain all of that to you later. You don't want to miss this.
1: Please just introduce a little bit about yourself. So, I'll just give a tiny bit of an intro, but go deeper into exactly who you are and what you do for the listeners.
2: Okay. So, thank you for having me, firstly. You're welcome. Um, And as you said, my name is Marie Douse. And uh, that's actually my maiden name. My name is actually Marie Douse Moody. (laughs) That's my name, but I go by Marie Douse on social media and things. Um, And so, I'm a mom of Uh, five children I've actually got four um children of my own and a stepdaughter and then uh together we've got three grandchildren um I I've been at home staying at home for maybe the last part that's part of about 11 years uh as I've child-minded however I'm now coming to the end of that period and I have um recently become a qualified uh personal stylist and self-esteem coach and so that is the business that I am now focusing all my efforts on. Um, I'm also a jewellery creator and designer. Um, I design and create unique pieces of jewellery for ladies um, and I also make lip colours using natural oils so I kind of have put everything together into the stylist business and so I create for the beautiful women that I'm now styling
0: wow wow and wow listeners are you hearing this
1: marie's absolutely amazing what i will make sure that i do i will obviously have all of her links in this episode's notes so you can find out exactly where you can find marie so you can touch base find out more about her connect with her yourself but i'm telling you you are going to be so blown away her jewelry They're fantastic. Her lip colours, I've had a look on her Instagram page. So yes, please do. Once you've listened to this episode, go to the notes and check out Marie's links. Okay, Marie, so the Purpose of Pain podcast is all about finding purpose through the pain or in the pain. So we all go through things in life. I don't think I've ever met anyone that hasn't gone through anything at all. But the purpose of this podcast is to reach people and to give them hope. So if they're listening and they're going through something right now, for them to just know there is light at the end of the tunnel. Definitely, you're listening to amazing women just like yourself that have been there, that have Mm -hmm. gone through something, but they're here to tell the tale, to share and to tell their story. So listeners, get ready because this is going to be a great one. So, Marie, where shall we start? Take us from the beginning. Where did you find yourself in this painful situation? So let's start from the very top. Okay. Um, well, going
2: back then to the age of 18, I had my first child, um, and she was obviously birthed out of wedlock. Um, I grew up in a, a very traditional Um. Christian family. Uh, My mom was a mother of the church. And so obviously for me to have been pregnant at that time was just huge. You know, she was she was greatly disappointed. Um it was what it was. Uh obviously I had the baby and uh she's now 27 years old. Um but after I had her um, you know, the relationship between myself and her dad, it was never it was never really great anyway, but it completely broke down. Um, throughout that relationship, I had lost a lot of self-confidence. Um, you know, I was a very, I was very young. I was 18. Um, and so a lot of my sort of teens, early adult years were just, you know, I wouldn't say they weren't wasted because obviously I've got, a, have got a daughter, but, you know, I was, I I, like I said, lost a lot of self-confidence. I didn't really know who I was, simple decisions I couldn't make. And when I had her, I'd also had postnatal depression. So, um, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of things going on with me as a young person. And I felt not only had I let myself down, but I'd let my mom down. Um, And so, you know, once I'd had my daughter, I kind of, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to try and make the situation right um and so you know my mum would always wanted me to be married and to have had a husband and all of that but obviously it happened for me back to front that wasn't my choice I I had the baby thinking that this is the way things were going to work out but it didn't work out that way so anyway um I met my husband um when I was 21 um it was out at the club not the best place to meet a, a, a guy or a girl but anyway <laughs> that's how it went um I was 21 he would have been I think it was about 28 29 um we both had children we dated for a very short period of time and he asked me to marry him I think it was after about 10 months um and I remember getting cold feet about it just thinking you know is this the right thing to do because I don't really know him um and it all just kind of Speed it up, you know. My siblings were like, "Oh, she's getting married. Let's do this. We're going to do that," and we've we've got the dress sorted, and, and I just felt sick at the the speed at which things were kind of running, you know. But he was quite happy with that. Um, so obviously, I get married, and things weren't great even from the very beginning of the marriage. Um, but I, I was married, and I kind of felt like, you know, I've done it, kind of thing. Um, but in my mind, if I'm honest, like even on my the day of my wedding. I thought to myself, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always leave. And I think that, uh, is it fight or flight? Yes. That term I think comes from my mother because she and my dad, they split when I was nine years old. And so if my mom was never happy with anything, she was always going to stay with my older sister in Zimbabwe, that's what she'd say. If, you bo- if anybody bothers me, I'm gonna go, you know, I'm taking my baby, which is me and we're gonna go. So it was always that. So. In my mind, it was always if I'm not happy, I'll just leave. And so, um, you know, I got married. Things weren't great. Um, if I backtrack, I was the last of seven children. So my mom only passed away three years ago, um, but she had me quite late on. And so I was the last, like I said, of seven. Very spoiled, you know. And um, it was just me and mom. And in my mind, it was the ideal mom and daughter. You know, it was just me and her. We could do whatever we wanted together. It was just us two. And obviously you can see I had a baby, I had a daughter and up to the point that I'd gotten married, it was just me and her. I never had to think about anyone else, you know. And uh, obviously my mum kind of governed, but then it was just me and her. And so, um, yes, obviously the whole marriage thing was a huge thing for me. Um, You know, not being able to get my own way all the time and, um, you know, just kind of... I didn't really understand marriage because I hadn't been raised in that environment. I guess I hadn't given myself enough time either, because like I said, I'd had a baby. I would just moved straight into, you know, this serious relationship. And um, I honestly didn't know what I was doing if I'm honest. Um, so the cracks started to appear more or less straight away um, because my husband, he, He's, his background was that he was raised in care. And so he too didn't really have an idea of what marriage was, you know, the whole system of marriage. Um, he took, uh, uh, he had his, his daughter quite a lot of the time before I took sort of came on the scene. Um, and then obviously once I got married, you know, she spent quite a lot of time with us as well. So there was always four eyes looking at us, you know, we, we didn't have that time really to, to date and court you know, before even the wedding. And then after the wedding, you, that's it then, isn't it? You're married. Yeah. Um, and so there was no foundation there at all. And so I didn't really know him. He didn't really say a lot, um you know, tell me a lot about his private life. And I was kind of OK with it, but not. Um, and there were times where I would feel insecure and things like that. And granted, because there were things that he was up to that you know, he was having, he had an affair. He had a couple of affairs, actually, um, in the early stages of the marriage. And again, you, you know, you can imagine how I felt with obviously my self-esteem and all of that kind of thing. And um, it was it was a very difficult time. It was very difficult. I knew that I was married to him and that, you know, as a Christian, which I became when I was 23, I kind of felt that I needed to stick it out because it's what Christian women do he wasn't in the church but you know they at church they told me to just continue to pray for him um but it got to a point mentally where it became quite abusive um the things that he would say um I can't even you know sometimes when you bury some things and you course. really don't want to go back there. yeah yeah that's so so said. the things that he'd said, and a lot of the stuff that he would say, were all connected to his um, his background and and the way that he'd been raised. There was so many threads; it was so complex. It was just you couldn't figure it out. The things that would yeah. come out, you just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, before so we, we got move to on,
1: point. sorry, Marie, can I ask you a yeah. question? Sure. So, you said that your your mom, so sorry to hear about your mom's passing. Yeah, yeah. You okay. said that your mom was disappointed when you became yeah. pregnant. Sure. So, when your husband asked you to marry him, do you feel mm-hmm. that that was something that at that point you were ready for marriage? This is what you really wanted to do? Or was there a part of you that thought, you know what, I just want to make everyone proud. I want to make my mom proud. I'm going to do it right, really? Sure thank you for
2: being Annie yeah Yeah, I always say I could have been marrying a ducky on that day (laughs) honestly I always say I could have been marrying a ducky on that day I just wanted to get married and just try and sort out this mess yeah yeah because my my ex had been um abusive physically as well and it was just it was a lot Mm. and so I just I was running to somebody else and he was a bigger guy that could deal with this other sort of dude. And so it just felt like my savior, you know, that he, right. he was able to just look after me, look after my daughter. Mm. And so, anyway, as I said, the foundations weren't there. Um, I got to a point that I just couldn't deal with the, the relationship anymore. I'd gone past trying, I didn't want to try anymore, um, you know, and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go. I'm going to go because I'm going to go before the damage is so great that it starts to affect the children. I'm going to go. And I just packed my car one morning once he went to, to work, made a phone call and went to a refuge. I oh, my children. Gosh. Wow. Yeah, I everything up into the car. It was it was just after um, Christmas. I think it was 2002 okay. um, and just packed them off. And and I didn't know where we were going to go. Um, but obviously the refuge, they received us and You know, they gave us a room, um, myself and my two girls. And uh, yeah, we stayed there for six months. And it was really, really hard. It was really hard. I mean, I was in a home with women that were, um, you know, prostitutes, that were um, drug misusers and all the time trying to protect my children. So we were just locked up in this room and I managed to get them into school. So I was literally taking them to school and bringing them back. And every night, i just lay on my bed with my Bible on the plastic covering of the bed and just be praying, God, please find a way to get me out of this. I don't know how. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know where my life's going. Mm-hmm. I, You know, I, I know that I'm not going back there. Yeah. Not, going, oh. not going back to the marriage. Wow. So at that, this, that point,
1: point. at That's... this point, Maria you had two children. Is that correct? I had two. Yeah. Yes. What were their ages at this point? So... The eldest was eight mm. and the little one was three. Wow. She's 22 now. And oh, wow. 21. Do yeah. the children, rem- obviously they're not children anymore, but do yes, your darling children remember anything about this? Yes, healing? they do. They do remember yeah. being
2: in there. Yes. And they remember how unhappy I was. Hmm. And, you know, I, I was very uptight. I was very, what's the word? I was just angry I was always angry because there was so much pressure you know the pressure to protect them um you know and and find them a school and all of that kind of thing and having to do all that stuff by myself was a lot in a place that I didn't know and just constantly feeling that I had to be looking over my shoulder because nobody knew not even my mom knew where I was no one knew where I was and that was a really hard thing to go through because anybody who has ever been in that situation or knows of people that are in that situation you yeah. can't stay where you are and so you literally go
1: underground I had no idea that's the way that it was yeah. or my next yeah. question was going to be why did you feel that you couldn't tell your mom or siblings but I had no idea that's how it was I'm not allowed to tell anyone no. wow yeah
2: and so you know it was a very lonely time it was a very lonely time. I'd speak to my sister most days, but she, she'd she always say to me, Marie, if you can just tell me where you are, i get you now. And I'd be like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Um, and so it was just me and God, literally. It yeah. was just me and God. So that's when sometimes people ask me about my faith and stuff, I have to laugh mm-hmm. because I know where I've been and there was no one else that could help me. No one but him. No one. I couldn't talk to anyone. So the only person that knew was him. He provided money for me. I don't know. Sometimes I would have nothing in the bank. Next minute I'd go to the bank. There was money in the bank. I don't know how this, st- I don't know how this <laughs> happened. But it happened. Amazing. You know, kids never went without. And even strangely enough, because obviously my, my business is on Facebook and everything, a lady reached out to me that was in the refuge. And she said, even when you were in there, you looked fabulous. <gasps> and I was
1: just like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was it I'm the kind of person that I was able to and I still am, I guess, I'm able to dress up on the outside, even though I may not feel great. Mm. And then that will come after. But it, it helps and it's always helped me to, even though you may be going through a certain thing. Yeah. A bit of lipstick, a pair of yeah. earrings, that might be all it takes just to get you feeling a little bit, you know, a little bit more positive about yourself. Sure. So sure. anyway. Um, so one day it just got, it just got too much. As I said, I was in there for six months with the children and, you know, every night I'd be praying. I was fasting. I was doing all such. I was using the oil. I was anointing my kids. I was out. Honestly, it was just a lot. And, um, I, I, one morning I just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go. And so, um, I told the, the people in charge that I was looking to go, Um, and I rang my sister I rang my sister sorry that's okay sorry I rang my sister and um, she got a husband to come and get me and that was it I moved in with her for a further six months okay
1: um
2: and so I decided that I was going to um to stay with her and get the children into school which I did and it was great because she's got children so they kind of they all looked after each other and it was it was a lot less pressure on me Mm -hmm. and you know they were around family which for my children is so important because we come from such a close-knit family and so um I then what did I do I started to look for properties um and um there was talk of well, my husband wanted to come back, but there was absolutely no way for me. It was like, no, nope, no, nope, no, this is fresh start for me and the kids. But the second daughter, which is his daughter, yes. biological daughter, she was playing up a lot. She was only three, but she just wanted a daddy. She just wanted a daddy. And that's what she said. I just want my daddy. I just want my daddy. And yeah. she'd do things that were just like, why is she doing that? And she'd say, mm-hmm. and my sister said, she's saying why she's doing it. But anyway, what I did is I I managed to get a place I moved out with the children. And then, um, you know, my my sister and my brother-in-law tried to talk to me and counsel me. And, and, you know, they worked with the two of us and eventually they kind of got us back together. But I wasn't happy. I still wasn't happy. And I was in the church at this point. I joined praise and worship. You know, I started to make a life for myself. So we'd been split for a year.
1: Okay, wow. Yeah,
2: and so I was making a life for myself now, and I just kind of thought, I really don't want this, and my heart wasn't in it. I just, mm-hmm. he was there, but I didn't really want him, you know, and so he found somebody again. Oh. And it was, for me, that was it. Like, that Yes, was you were so done. That was, <laughs> that was it, like, that was it, and I... You know, my pastor at the church, he knew all about it and he knew about what happened from before we left. Mm. And uh, so I threw him out and the church, even though he was in the church, they put him up. And um, uh, the pastor, after, you know, me going to the church, being at the church for quite a while, I I was asked if I could give my testimony about where I've been. Mm. And uh, straight away, I said no. Because I've kind of now built up a new me and I don't want anybody knowing the old stuff. I've made a right. fresh stuff. I'm not yeah. bringing that here. And, you know, I was really encouraged, you know, that it would help other women and all of that. And I just couldn't understand how, how is that, how is that going to help anybody, you know? Um, and I really felt pressed on my heart. Once I'd left that conversation with that person, I really felt pressed on my heart that God, I you know he's not left me he's mm. been with me the whole time and okay. so he's not going to leave me again so he can't speak on you know he can he can speak but it, he's going to use me to speak of course and so if I'm willing let him do the work
1: I meant to that
2: so I I am um, I agreed to do the talk and I remember sat on the there was it they set it up as like a, a couch on the um sofa on the, the stage and I was interviewed about where I'd been and so you know I spoke about being in the refuge and I literally saw women's eyes open wide and mouths drop open I thought here we go
1: oh I
2: just I just literally felt like I could have been on the stage with no clothes on yeah I I literally felt naked like I told all and I I felt that I was going to be perceived differently and I was to be fair because you know human nature is would just be like what are you doing like mm. you know and you've got these you know so anyway did you find it I, uh, therapeutic though did you find it therapeutic to get it all I out? I did I did but then once I would got it out and then it was coming down off the stage and the way in which I was received following that was a bit like mm, kind of wish that I
1: hadn't right. said
2: anything yeah but i when I look back now, I'm so glad that I did. Yes, yeah. so many women that I know of that were even in that audience went through that and worse.
1: Oh wow! You see? Yeah. So
2: I, just because you're in the church means nothing. It awesome doesn't me. mean that you won't get torched. Like there you go. Following that talk, then that I gave on the stage, what I didn't know was that somebody in the audience, she was um, like an evangelist from one of the other church branches and um she had she was spending some time with her son in, son-in-law and daughter and they happened to be friends of ours friends that we'd met that we'd become quite close to and yeah. so on the day that I was giving the talk um Paul had taken the children my husband had taken the children to this couple's home um to kind of sit with them whilst I was giving this talk yeah um and so Apparently, the lady had come to the church from the Friday. So I gave the talk on the Saturday. She came to the church on the Friday. Um, and as she was leaving, she, they I think a group of them went to the chip shop. She then got in the she got out the van to go and get some chips. And she saw a young man, she said, in the chip shop. And she really felt that God said that she needed to speak to him. And so she really wrestled with the idea. She just couldn't do it. She got in the van. She got out. She got in. She got out. And in the end, she just couldn't do it. she got in the van and went away so after the meeting she then goes to the son-in-law and daughter's home and sees paul there and she asked the couple who is this guy and uh you know the, the lady the girl said you know her daughter said it's paul it's our friend and she said to him she turned to him and she said were you in the chip shop yesterday i saw you in the chip shop and he said yeah and she said you know what god spoke to me about you and said that you've had a Jezebel spirit that has been chasing you your whole life my and she God. said you were like the baby Moses that was put on the river and was sent away does this make any sense and he turned to her and he said well I was given up at six months old my mother left me um with a childminder and she said I need to give you something to break there's a curse that has been over you and she said i need to give you and she i think she gave him some quarters pennies or something a pound or something like that okay and she said, yeah it's to break whatever curse is over him and over the family so um that evening when he brought the children back to me he told me what a, what this lady had said to him and i said that's really weird because that lady would have been in the meeting that i gave a talk to today and i literally told everything mm-hmm. and yeah. so um because i was friends with the daughter I rang her and, and explained to her, you know, that the mom had heard everything that I talked about and it kind of, it all makes sense. Like it's come to, the stories come together. So we just spoke to the mother and she was just blown away and she said, I don't know what it is, but there's been something on this guy. So anyway, with that being said, I continued, um, you know, living separately. And uh, there was one evening that the pastor asked if I would go to his office because he needed to speak to me um and so I went and he sat me down and he said uh, Marie I need to talk to you I feel very strongly that you need to be with your husband I was like excuse me <laughs> and he said I don't know what it is But I just feel that you two, you need to be together. I don't know where it's come from. And I said, you know, like everything that we've gone through, I don't understand. He said, I feel it's so strong. He said, all I can do is tell you and then leave it with you. And I was literally in tears because I felt that, you know, you know everything. And yet, how can you kind of say this? And he said, all I'm going to do is leave it with you. And I remember crying, leaving his office that night. And I was so upset. I was so, so, so upset and uh what i would said to him actually is that you know after everything that i've gone through with god i know that i've got a relationship with him myself and as much as i respect you i yeah. really respect you um i believe that if this is the case that he's gonna talk to me himself he'll have to talk to me himself because mm-hmm. you know with no disrespect when you go home and you're okay your door's closed i'm in trouble yes. <laughs> so um he said to me you know I'm gonna leave it with you I'm gonna leave it with you and then I left and as I said I cried I cried myself asleep my sister had the children that night I went home and I remember I read something in the Bible I can't even remember what it was and then I went to sleep and it felt like a sleep but it wasn't a sleep yeah because it was more or less as soon as I kind of put my head down a voice just as how I'm speaking to you said you've asked for me to come and so I'm here oh my god and I was I was literally petrified. Mm. I was like, what? And um, I was literally cowling in my bed. I just couldn't believe what what I was here. It was only me in the house. Yeah. And I had a cat as well at the time. And so um the voice said to me, This is not, this is not about you. And this is not about Paul. This is about me and about my kingdom. It's actually got nothing to do with you. And I felt like all I Mm -hmm. can describe it is as sand on the beach. I felt like nothing and he said this is not about you this is about me and it's about my glory and I've put you two together for a reason
0: my
1: gosh you're from where
2: you're from and I know where you're from and he's from where he and I know where he's from and I brought the two of you together but it's got nothing to do with you
3: mm-hmm. I'm going
2: to use you this has nothing to do with you this is about me and about my glory and he just kept saying that and I straight away in my mind started to think about my children and the voice came back. And said, don't worry about the children. Mm-hmm. I created those children. I formed those children. Those children are going to be fine. This is about you. This is about you and about Paul and what I'm going to do and where I'm going to bring you. He said, I'm going to bring you before great men. And when I bring you to where I bring you to, don't forget. Don't you forget me. And he told me quite a few. And every now and again, bits of it will come back to me because it was I've never... I've never remembered anything so distinct. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: For and words. it's something that
2: I'll take to my grave. Mm. I've, I've talked about it, anybody that knows me knows. I mean, it's on YouTube, go look it up on YouTube. <laughs> I've talked about it that much that anybody that knows me knows. And you then showed me like, a, um, I was taken to my kitchen. I, obviously I was asleep, I think. And I was in my kitchen and I could see my cat, I had a ginger cat in me, who was trying to listen into the fridge door. And like he just kept putting his head on the fridge door. So I opened the fridge door, and where your vegetables are in the drawers. Yeah. I looked in the drawers, and underneath the vegetables were loads of rats just scurrying around. Oh god. And so I slammed the fridge door shut. And as oh, I slammed yeah. that fridge door shut, it's like a book slammed shut like that and said, But it's down to you. And then it's like I saw a rat come out of my bed. And I just thought, what is this? Another thing, just to backtrack with everything that he said, he said to me. When I was thinking about the children, he said, "And you will have a son, because that was always the desire of my heart to have a son." I've got my, you know, from the, the first girl down, I've always wanted a little boy, Aww. and so uh, they've all dressed in blue because, you know. <laughs> and so he said to me, "And you will have a son, and you will call his name Nehemiah." That's what he said. God has. And to as question. I said, after after the, the cat and all of that, the book slammed shut and said, "But it's down to you." And I woke up and I was like, "Huh." You mean it's that to him? how can it be done to me i haven't done anything i haven't done anything wrong in all of this sir. but then i picked up the phone straight away and rang my pastor at like 2 a.m in the morning and said pastor it's happened god's spoken to me and he went okay okay and i was just like oh my gosh, oh my gosh oh my <laughs> calm down <laughs> calm down i'll speak to you in the morning come and see me tomorrow
4: Okay, so going back to when, um, you know, in the vision where I told you that the book slammed shut and I saw a rat run out of my bed. um, I took that to believe and it wasn't until later on because, as I said, I, you know, I was just like, you know, what does it mean it's all about me? When God said, you know, the book slammed shut and he said, but it's down to you, what did that mean? And it wasn't until later on, you know, that I believed that you know, God really spoke to me in that area and said that what that signified was that there was a lot of change that needed to happen within me as well. Um, not to excuse what my husband had done, but there was a lot of changes that I need to undergo, um, you know, as it from childhood, really, where I'd always had my own way. And, you know, I, I brought those, um, those ways, then those characteristics into a marriage relationship, and and you know, obviously, when you get married, it's no longer all about you, but it's it's you know, two people in this in this uh, union, and so, um, you know, it caused me to begin to look at me and um, the book that I would recommend a hundred percent was um, the. The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Um, I would go as far as to say that this book really is, you know, it's a life changer. Um, It showed me that my husband has um, a love language and that it was my job to learn um, what it was so that I could begin to communicate it to him. Um, In so doing, by so doing, it took the focus off me and put it on learning more about him Um, Again, um, I would say mindset had so much to do with our journey as I began then to frame things up um, differently without even having the words for it. Back then, what I was doing was was a lot of mindset stuff, you know. Um, And I would also say that forgiveness um, played a huge part, a huge role in actually releasing and healing me. Um, I I
2: learned to walk uh, by faith and not by sight. So I went to his office and I told him everything that I've just told you. And he was he was just smiling and he said, I knew it, I knew it. I knew God was going to do it. He said, I don't know. I just felt it so strong on me. He said that he sees like the coming together of two entities and he showed me like that with his hand. Oh, he says, don't. I see the coming together of two entities yeah. and you, you need to be together. That's what he kept. i tell you, there's so much more to the story because it kind of exploded in church oh God. Moment, where it? church couldn't finish yeah church couldn't finish oh. and it's never been like that and what he didn't know is that my husband was going to take his life that day oh. there's so much to the story it's, oh. there's just so much but he couldn't finish the service and everyone was like what is going on he says there's somebody in here today that needs salvation that much that it's like me saying I've got a million pounds and he said how many people in here would come running to the front if I said I've got a million pounds? yeah, sure. And he was like, that's how important. This is when my husband actually got saved. That's how important salvation is to this one person in here today. And he tried, tried to finish the service, got the praise and worship back on, praise and worship back off, praise and worship back Because he said those people came and he was like, it's not them. He prayed for them, but he was like, it's not them. Not them. Still here. Oh and he God. stood up on a chair in front of my husband. And my husband just broke down on him and he said, I knew it. I knew it was you. I knew it was you and then Paul gave the testimony what was going to happen but then the deliverance happened after that
1: oh fantastic it was
2: it was a lot it was a lot and um you know I never take it for granted what God did because Mm. God deals with the heart and in the natural and in the normal Mm. you just wouldn't go back there Of course, I I felt like I couldn't. I couldn't talk to my friends about it because it's not what you do. Like for God, just that you do not. And yeah, I totally agreed. Mm. You know, but when God is in the mix, it's a different. It's a different something because it's not in your control. So. If you go now and step outside and say, yeah, God, if I was to go outside and say, yeah, God, I heard what you said, Ooh. but I'm just going to carry on walking this way. Yeah, I don't know where life would have ended up for me.
1: Can you imagine you know, And so it
2: know- was hard because going back now <laughs> to where, <laughs> God, this is crazy. Because it happened so long ago. It's kind of hard to get it all in order. But when, um, you know, the pastor had said what he said to me. Yeah. Um, you know that he knew that God was going to speak to me he said to me so shall we work to get you guys back together and I said "Uh no 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 no." he said why not what do you mean and I said well I I've asked God for something else I've asked him for confirmation and until I see that confirmation Mm -hmm. because I know what he said but I need to be 100% sure I'm not going to do anything until I see that
1: wow
2: he said to me he said tempt not the Lord thy God you've you've had it like what more could you possibly want and I said I know what I've asked for pastor mm-hmm. and I'm not going to move until that yeah and he said fine no, fair enough so I went my way and the thing that I asked for was a butterfly that's what I asked for and so I would you know obviously working I was working at the time and um, the children would be at school my mom would ring me every morning as I was working on walking on my way to work And she rang me one particular morning and asked me how I was doing, how the children were and everything. And up until that point, I'd been literally looking under bushes, over cars, Mm -hmm. you know, in the trees, everywhere, see if I could see butterflies, because I need to know, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? Like either way, and I've gotten actually to that point that I think is so key Mm -hmm. that I've gotten to a point that was like, Lord, either way, even though my heart feels like it's been torn into a thousand pieces. Oh, God. If you say to me that this is your will, yeah I'll drop it all. I'll drop it all. Yes. I'm, I'm literally ready to surrender all and do what you want. I will put Marie on the floor mm. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in the direction that you're I showing me you. because I know that what you want is going to be better than anything else because I put so much trust in you. Mm. You know where I've been. out of everybody you know where I've been you know what I'm capable of myself I don't feel like I'm capable of going any further with this but if you show me this thing then I will know and so it was in the month of February you know there are no there were no butterflies Mm -hmm. and as I said I was walking to work and I was talking to my mom she was asking about the kids and then these two butterflies literally intertwined like that were just flying up and down up and down in front of me I started screaming my mom didn't know what was wrong with me and <laughs> I tried to explain to her and she was just like I don't understand what's wrong what's wrong and I was like mommy I can't talk to you now and I had to I rang my sister and I told my sister because obviously my sister had been with me on the journey yeah you know she uh, it was her that I'd stayed with and she said to me you know what Marie whoa my hands are off this she said mm-hmm. I, I I don't I can't tell you what to do anymore I cannot I, I can see what's happening and I can't And I was like, Maggie, you don't need to worry because I know exactly what I need to do. And so I rang the pastor, I told the pastor and everything started to move in the direction of Paul coming back to to live with us. And it wasn't easy. I mean, we did. We went for counselling. We did counselling. He had separate counselling as well. And, you know, it was actually amazing what God did. And because so many people do say to me, oh, so why is there an 11 year gap between you your first child together and then the second one yeah and that was why because we were building during that time we didn't have the time before so we were Mm. building during that time and I had to be a hundred percent sure that this was what was you know what God wanted this was right because there's no way I was going to be left with three babies
1: Mm.
2: (laughs) so um you know um yeah so that was why it took you know me so long to get to a place that I said, okay, I'm ready to have another child. And so, you know, I remembered what God had told me that I was gonna have a son and all of that. And so I, when it came to the scan, I took my two older girls out of school to, to meet their brother. <laughs> so we get to the scan and uh the radiographer says, Oh yeah, she turns to Paul and she says, Oh, you're gonna be outnumbered again. I was like, excuse me, what? She said, Yeah, it's another girl. I literally broke down in in that room and she was like is everything okay I was like no check again check again (laughs) no it's it's definitely a girl and um I was just in bits you know I was in bits Mm. I was like Lord you promised like I don't understand you know and so um it was very difficult for me to to deal with that pregnancy even though it took me I think it was about six months to kind of fully get my head around it yeah um well I think the my second girl as well she kind of struggled because she was daddy's princess and she just kind of struggled with the idea of another little girl the older one was very happy that she was having another sister you know Mm. and so um you know I have the baby and then five months on I um you know she got she went into nursery so she was going to nursery she was going to a Christian nursery at the time and every time I'd drop her off I'd literally sit in my car for about 15 minutes and just cry my eyes out um I cried because she you know I had to go to work um I'd waited so long to have another baby so when you have such a big gap it's like you're starting all over again that's right yeah so um I felt guilty that I was giving her to nursery whereas the other two had been with my mom and I you know I'm not there I couldn't really see the care for her and so you know, one of the mornings, the nursery manager came up to me and she said, I want to have a word with you. She says, I've watched you cry every morning when you drop her off. Is-, is everything okay? Everything all right at home? And I said, Yeah, it's just that, you know, I feel so guilty because I'm having to leave her here. I have to go to work. It's just normal mom stuff. But then um, I also was told by God that I was going to have a son mm-hmm. and that I was going to call him Nehemiah and everything that I've just told you. And she immediately said I've got goosebumps she says the windows aren't even open and I've got goosebumps she said Nehemiah she said your husband has a home for people for for young people with um learning difficulties I said yeah she said I see something around learning difficulties she says I don't understand it because I've got goosebumps all over and I was like what and she said yeah I don't I don't know she said maybe he's going to have a home and call it Nehemiah's house or something like that, something around special needs. So I just thought, fine, fair enough. So I left. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, um, fast forward five years, I fall pregnant. I literally ran to the, you know, the 3D scanning place yeah. when you're like 14, <laughs> 15 roots. I needed to know. I needed to know. This. now. <laughs> to know Nobody else needs to know just me. I need to know. And uh, the woman told me. I was having a boy. But just to to go back um I've got a granddaughter that's called Imaya. So Imaya is in between my girl and my boy. She is she's seven. Okay. Yeah. So when she was born her mom said to me I'm calling my baby Imaya. Yeah. And I was like, mm, Suppose I do have a little boy and call him." She says, "Mom, I don't know whether you're going to have a baby, you're not going to have a baby where you can do. I'm calling my baby." <laughs> Imaya that's it so I can't argue about something that I haven't got right? yeah <laughs> so I'm like okay then enough. so obviously my daughter's Nekayah, the granddaughter's Imaya mm. so I'm thinking yeah. there's no way that if I even have a baby that I could call him Nehemiah now anyway because time's passed you know granddaughter's got the name whatever so I put it to my mom when I was pregnant with Nehemiah that I was going to now call him Noah because all yeah. the girls names begin with N. And I thought Noah's a cute little name. You know, it's a short little name. She was like, uh-uh. she said to me, God told you a thing. You make sure that you call that boy that name. I said, but mom, what is the difference? Like Noah's a builder, <laughs> you know, but then what I didn't, what I, I kind of must've forgotten at that time. i would read about the book of Nehemiah, studied it. When God told me the name Nehemiah that night, all those years prior, I actually studied the book of Nehemiah about how we rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. I knew the story. I knew that he brought oh, the people together in order to yeah. do it, and he defied all the odds. That's right. Those are the things that really, you know, stood out. He defied all the odds, on- and it, you know, um. So I, I knew the story, but nevertheless, I thought, mm, still going to call him Noah because it's it's going to sound ridiculous. I've, I've <laughs> got three children on Nakaya, Amaya, and the uh, no. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. so um, yeah. So the baby. I, I went into labor. It was literally an hour labor. And it was a very strange time leading up to the labor because I would be, um, I guess it maybe it was a s- slow labor, maybe the week before or a couple of weeks before my sister would come and spend time with me thinking it's going to be this, you know, it's going to be now, it's going to be this weekend. But I feel like something was almost covering me sometimes on the bed, very strange. Ooh. It felt like, some, and to the point that I couldn't move and it oh. felt like there's something covering me. Many times when I'd lie on the bed, very strange. But anyway, I went into labour, had the baby. And as soon as the baby was presented to me, I looked at him and I just went, who's this kid? Mm. And the midwife said, excuse me. Mm. And my sister said to me, what are you talking about, And My husband looked at me and he was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I said, this baby doesn't look anything like any of my children. This baby's got Down syndrome. And they all stood back. They were just like, what? What are you talking about? I said look at his face he doesn't look like any of the kids Mm. you know and Paul said he's not going to look like them because it's a boy we've got girls and I said to the midwife no this baby's got downs she took the baby off me um she took him by the window she looked at him she brought him back she says Maria I honestly cannot see what you're seeing she said I've got nine babies of my own and I cannot see it what is it that you're seeing I said his eyes don't look the same Mm. you know the shape of his head doesn't look the same and she was like I can't see this is what babies look like when they're born and she said okay stop I'm going to take him I can either take him now and test him or we can do it over the next few days I said you can take him now so she took him and she um she did the uh they did the test over three days it was and obviously it came back positive so you You knew I saw it straight away yeah and in that in that moment when he was born I thought is this Nehemiah and I've even got a picture. I've got a I've got a, a photo on my Instagram where he's about two years about two or three years old and he's held he's holding my face in his hands and I'm crying because it, I was still grieving with my mom and I'm crying and in the photo it felt like he was saying I am he Nehemiah and I'd actually captioned it. I am he, Nehemiah. I'm the boy, you know, this boy that I would talked about for how many years, mm. this was the baby. And I was just like, Lord, why did you keep this bit from me?
1: Wow. You didn't tell
2: me this bit.
1: Mm. You know,
2: how am I going to cope? How am I going to manage? This is just like, and all along when I was, you know, crying and so low and just asking God questions, the baby would just stare, stare at me. And what I didn't, tell you as well is that my daughter she would often draw pictures of um me when i was pregnant she drew my husband she was only five no she was four when he was born pictures of me pictures of dad um pictures of the baby and she put butterflies in there two butterflies Butterflies. and i say to her who are those butterflies why do you do that and she said that's me and that's my brother Oh,
1: that's what god was
2: showing you that's what i'm saying oh and whenever i would often, even to today, I could be in the garden, I could be walking with the children and I'll see two white butterflies just flip, just flip past me. And I, my heart is just quick and I'm just so happy because I'm just like, <laughs> it's just, you know, it reminds me of, you know, the rainbow, Noah's yes. a rainbow. Yes. Every time I see it's like I'm reminded of, mm. of the, promise. the promise. And I always call it the promise. Yeah. And so with the children's butterflies, my daughter's been butterfly baby, They've had butterfly parties. We've I've always included them, even if it's a butterfly on his cake. Yeah. Not that I worship the butterfly, but yeah. it's yeah. a constant
1: reminder. Yeah, of course. Of it's lovely. Even in,
2: in their decorations for their birthdays, there'll always be something in there because I, I know that it was all God because even with Nehemiah, the doctor said he has defied all the odds. Oh my He's defied all the odds. He said, is this the mildest case of Down syndrome I've ever seen? Yes, it is. And the thing is, is that when I was in such a low state in hospital with him, Mm. my um, nieces they're they're in South Africa, but they've gone to universities in different countries and they've got a group of friends that are all over the world. Yeah. And so they put out there the request to pay to pray for Nehemiah's healing um, because his blood sugar levels, everything went down when he was born. And they say it could be as a response to the way that I was when he was born. Wow. and so um they requested because he was he was in the the neo uh, the icu yeah yeah and so um they requested that people pray for him and then there was a message that came through from an asian lady that said i see him i see a little boy and she was talking on and she said i see a little boy near my yeah sure i see him she says he's preaching from a very early age preaching to families of children with down syndrome and once I heard that message I must have played it a hundred times in the hospital that's why I can remember it so clearly (laughs) um it just settled me oh my god and I just thought okay lord I hear you this boy's got this boy's got
1: something to do yeah he's He's (gasps) perfect
2: and so I hear you I'm grateful that you chose me to be the Mm. mom and I promise that I will do all that I can to make sure that he fulfills what it is that he needs to fulfill. I will have his back. I will be his airways. I will speak for him. You know, I'm not going to let anybody tell me any different about my boy. Yeah. And that's, that's where we are. And together, that's where we are, you know, as a family, that's, that's where we are.
1: I so, uh, love you. I absolutely love it. So I'm sure the listeners are listening intently as I am, because honestly, you are just amazing. And even when you briefly told me some behind the scenes, it still gives me chills. Um, especially the butterflies. Like, oh, wow. No. So the question I'm going to ask you now, because I'm sure everyone's thinking, two mm. questions. Mm. You've been through so much reading from the beginning and right up until now you've had that really close relationship with god which is fantastic beautiful relationship relying on him always seeking his will where would you say that you and your husband are now at this stage and the second part of that question is after going through everything what do you believe that god's purpose was for you
2: well god gave me somebody that i could only have dreamt of having my husband is an amazing amazing guy oh i mean i just when i think back i obviously i think it's good to kind of every now and again know where you've come from of course because that keeps you grounded yeah but I do think even when I look at him and I look at my wedding pictures, I don't see the same person. Oh, he's a completely different guy. It's, yes. He's a completely different person. And, you know, the guy that I've got now is God's best. I really do believe that he's God's best. And to be able to sit here and say that now after 23 years and with everything that we've been through, with a smile on my face, like mm-hmm. proper smiling, I know that it's only God and so when people say I would always encourage people that when they do have issues don't say it's over until God says it's over
0: Um,
2: because he's got a way of reviving things that to us as humans as the pastor said to me our marriage was dead in the water I mean it was dead Mm -hmm. those and what i would have and maybe most people would have done would have been to walk away from that and that would have been it well i would have missed out (laughs)
1: yeah
2: (laughs) i would have missed out because he is the most loving selfless caring He's just an amazing guy, he's an amazing husband, and he's an amazing father, an amazing grandfather, he's just yeah. an amazing person, and my mum used to always say, a little old dear, she would say to me, out of evil will come forth good, and I used to think, old oh, lady, you don't really know what you're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> and, his, and his foster mum used to tell me the same thing, Marie, if you can just get to know the guy, just get, and I was thinking, you have no clue you have no clue what this guy is yeah you know? but I'm telling you and I know that those women prayed I know that they prayed I know that they fasted <laughs> and I know that even the mothers of the church that we were in they prayed and they fasted and God came through that's sure. all I can say that's yeah. all I can say that is my story oh god that is my story um and so with everything that we've gone through and where we are now um as you know um. You know, I've told you that my husband's always worked with people with special needs, so he's now got a home and also an outreach company. So we support people with learning difficulty, which is something that was never in my remit because special needs was not my area. But I think since my son, yes, and everything, it's kind of it's caused me to look less at Marie and more at people and people that are in need and you know, to be able to help people is just so rewarding. Mm. It's so, to be able to give back is so rewarding. I think sometimes we can get so caught up in our normal, you know, everyday to day life and just kind of bypass those people that are kind of on the fringes of society that people don't really think about or mm, care about. Yeah. And to, to be able to acknowledge them as humans and to be able to help them to live the best possible life that they can is so rewarding it's so rewarding and that's what we that's what my husband does and I I now work for the business I have been probably about two years working for the business um part-time as well as minding two days a week which I'll be finishing with a view now to what I'm doing is is styling women mainly online Um, and so I'm a personal stylist and self-esteem coach so I basically get women to fall back in love with themselves from the inside out a lot of it is mindset stuff because Mm -hmm. i firmly believe that there is no point in me showing you your best colors your you know you uh clothes that suit your body shape all the rest of that mm. if you you're not loving yourself from of the inside course. it's yeah. pointless yeah and so um that's why I decided to do the self-esteem training um so I'm a self-esteem coach and personal stylist and the work that I do is embedded then with self-esteem um coaching I
1: so that's, that. that's what dear. You know, I always say, you're a mother, so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The toys that have the different shapes. And when they're younger, they fiddle around with it and they learn to put the, you know, the triangular shape in the triangular oh, hole no. and the circular and, the, you know, the rest of it, the square. And I always say, that's just like us. We're the shapes. Like God shapes us through what we go through. And sometimes when we don't know ourselves, we're not going to truly know ourselves until we allow God to really show us who we are. Mm-hmm. We try to fit ourselves into all different yeah. holes yeah. that we shouldn't be going in. Like, exactly. no, you're not a square, you're not a triangle, right. but until you really hear from God, like you did, mm-hmm. and then eventually you fit because mm-hmm. you've allowed Him to mold you to shape you. When
2: I think back, like I said, when I was 18, I mean, I could go, I don't know, I could go to the corner shop and know on the way there what I need to get i get there and I just didn't know my oh, wow. my self-esteem was so low that I just did not know I couldn't yeah. tell you what I was doing in there and i just walk out or I'd need you to come and help me to pick whatever because I don't I just have no clue Oh, that was where I was you know and God is God is amazing because when he puts something together he doesn't do it half-heartedly he doesn't <laughs> You know, it was, it was painful. It was painful. It was painful. But as you say, you know, you can turn that pain into purpose. And you know, if what I've said tonight can resonate with even one person, Mm -hmm. then I know that what he's done, what he's done in me, I know anyway that it was for a reason. Yeah. But even if it can resonate with one person, I just pray that God will just continue to speak to that person, even after they finish listening to this. to to show them that you are loved that god does love you and that he does have a plan and a purpose for your life if only you'll allow him to lead you in the way that he wants
1: to lead you i absolutely love that marie so listeners you heard What Marie has said, if you are in a situation right now where you just cannot see the light, you're thinking, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, what do you know? It's a completely different situation. And Mm -hmm. we understand that, you know, we can't always say I empathize or I understand or I get you. But one thing we surely know, like Marie has said, is relying on God is the best thing that you can do because he will work even the worst things out for good yeah. mm-hmm. for good whatever mm-hmm. the enemy means for bad in your life yeah. God can turn yeah. it around and you know Marie has basically spoke about that in her own life I, yeah, I mean it's, it's deep that.
2: because I mean there's a lot of spiritual things that were happening oh, yeah. around that time I mean I, I would see things like Paul running down the stairs and yet he hasn't even been on the stairs you know there was a lot of stuff that happened but as i said to you there was a whole lot of deliverance that had to happen and people yeah. that don't understand that stuff they'll be like well, what is she talking about
1: oh it's <laughs> you know yeah. but it was,
2: because he dabbled with a lot of things in his childhood he dabbled with a lot of stuff all that ouija board and all that kind of stuff mm. stay away from those things because you don't know what effect them things are going to have on your future you don't know true you don't know and you just present mess in all kinds of different areas, you know? Mm. So, um,
1: yeah. But God is able because there's He's nothing able. that is too big for him to oh. deal with. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. A- like, can you imagine if, you know, we didn't have that relationship? I don't know about you, Marie, but I sometimes look back and I think, what did I do before? I, I know. Mean, How I know. did I cope? I know.
2: And, I just and did- you know what? Did you, call, I don't know if you came from a Christian background.
1: I mm-hmm. didn't. No, I didn't. Right. Wow okay because I always
2: say oh my mom's prayers kind of covered me until you know I came yeah. I came to myself but I mean you you know I guess we all kind of we've got people praying for us and we don't even know it's we true don't even know.
1: yeah yeah because my grandmother was a devout Christian yeah. so there you go exactly it's true it's so true and I have other family members that when I was not in Christ we had conversations. they planted the seed you know so God just does the rest he waters it and here I am that's it so, wow absolutely fantastic maria i can't thank you enough i no, am thank for, you. Your story. Thank you. before you leave us could you please just let the listeners know because not everyone is going to go to the notes you know some people just like to listen so for those who just want to listen mm-hmm. can you please just let everyone know where they can find you on social media if you can have a sure. website go for it
2: mm-hmm. okay so my website is www empowered style m for marie powered style um .co.uk um my uh youtube if you want to check out the story again um it is on there um under our i think it was our 21st wedding anniversary i think that's it might be called something around that um and that is just marie douse Douse is in house but with a d marie Dows. and also my instagram handle is at marie douse and my facebook page is at marie Dows. and empowered style is also at empowered style on instagram and also facebook
1: wow and i don't know
2: if you wanted to look at the jewelry the jewelry is oh yeah <laughs> okay the jewelry is fangles dangles f-a-n-g-l-e-s dangles d-a-n-g-l-e-s and the colour pots is the um, lip colours, which is just colour pots.
1: Yeah, Fantastic. I'm going to put all of these <laughs> in the notes, all of them. So if you didn't quite catch that or you are going to go and read the notes, you can just go, okay. check out all of Marie's pages, check out her website. And please, if you want to connect with Marie, connect, yes. reach out. Because if it's one yes. part I've learned. This is what life is about. We need to come together. This is why God didn't just make one person. Like really do connect because you don't know who God has placed in your life for that reason. Who's to say that Marie, you know, she might be attached to your purpose in some way. You never know. So please do make those connections. So Marie, oh, I thank you once again. I really thank you. I wish you all the best. And we'll definitely stay in touch. Definitely, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: Wow. What an episode! That was amazing. Speaking to the lovely Marie Douse. Fantastic. Gave me chills. Look what can happen when you are obedient to God. Look what can happen when you are in obedience to God. Can you think of something that maybe you've asked God for? Can you think of that right now? What is it that you're still Waiting for. Just like when Marie was waiting for her butterflies. And like she said, she was looking everywhere on purpose because she wanted to find them. She wanted that sign. What is it you're waiting for? Because I encourage you to be still and really wait on God because I believe that you will get an answer. And it might not be the answer that you hoped for. But you will get an answer. It's very important to remember that God knows best. His plan for us is the best plan. We have to trust in Him. We have to trust in His process. Marie speaks so much on this in her episode. She speaks so much about trusting in God. What would have happened if marie didn't reconcile with her husband can you imagine god has a purpose to reveal through everything everything we go through no matter how painful we have to trust in his process god transformed marie's life and he even transformed her husband wow it's not for us to try and change anyone Because through Marie's story, it simply shows that through surrender to God, anyone can be transformed. Any one of us. I love it when Marie said, don't say it's over until God says it's over. How powerful is that? Are you facing a a circumstance right now? Are you in a situation where it just feels like it is really dead in the water, that it's over? That there's no way that this thing can be resurrected. I really urge you to just give it all to God. Give the mess to him and see what he does with it. And if God wants it to be over, he will make sure that it is. And that's what I love about God because, as I said, he will answer you. He will show you the way. Absolutely enjoyed this episode and I really hope that you all did too thank you so much for coming back to the purpose of pain podcast and I welcome you to come back to listen to my next guest on episode three take care bye bye